0: volume two of the antiquary chapter first this librivox recording is in the public domain the antiquary by sir walter scott chapter first wiser raimundus in his closest pent, laughs at such danger and adventurement when half his lands are spent in golden smoke and now his second hopeful glass is broke but yet if haply his third furnace hold, Devoteth all his pots and pans to gold. Reader's Note The author cannot remember where these lines are to be found, Perhaps in Bishop Hall's satires. Editor's Note They occur in Book 4, Satire 3. and Note About a week after the adventures commemorated in our last chapter, Mr. Oldbuck, descending to his breakfast-parlour, found that his womankind were not upon duty, his toast not made, and the silver jug, which was wont to receive his libations of mum, not duly aired for its reception. This confounded hot-brained boy, he said to himself, now that he begins to get out of danger, I can tolerate this life no longer. All goes to sixes and sevens, A universal Saturnalia seems to be proclaimed in my peaceful and orderly family. I ask for my sister. No answer. I call, I shout. I invoke my inmates by more names than the Romans gave to their deities. At length Jenny, whose shrill voice I have heard this half hour, lilting in the Tartarian regions of the kitchen, condescends to hear me in reply, but without coming upstairs, so the conversation must be continued at the top of my lungs. Here he again began to hollow aloud. "'Jenny, where's Miss Oldbuck?' "'Miss Grizzy's in the captain's room.' (sighs) "'Oh, I thought so. "'And where's my niece?' "'Miss Mary's making the captain's tea.' Hm, "'I suppose as much again. "'And where's Caxon?' away to the town, about the captain's fowling gun and his setting-dog. And who the devil's to dress my periwig, you silly jade? When you knew that Miss Wardour and Sir Arthur were coming here early after breakfast, how could you let Caxon go on such a tomfool's errand? Me? What could I hinder him? Your Honour, I have us contradict the captain even now, and him, maybe Dane? Dying said the alarmed antiquary, "'Ugh, oh, what? Has he been worse?' "'No, he's nigh, nigh war than I can of.' Reader's note. It is, I believe, a piece of Freemasonry or a point of conscience among the Scottish lower orders, never to admit that a patient is doing better. The closest approach to recovery that they can be brought to allow is that the party inquired after is nigh war, End reader's note. Then he must be better. And what good is a dog and a gun to do here? But the one to destroy all my furniture, steal from my larder, and perhaps worry the cat, and the other to shoot somebody through the head. He has had gunning and pistoling enough to serve him one while, I should think. Here Miss Oldbuck entered the parlour, at the door of which Oldbuck was carrying on this conversation, he bellowing downward to jenny and she again screaming upward in reply dear brother said the old lady you'll cry yourself as hoarse as a corby is that the way to scry when there's a sick person in the house upon my word the sick person's like to have all the house to himself i have gone without my breakfast and am like to go without my wig and i must not i suppose presume to say i feel either hunger or cold for fear of disturbing the sick gentleman who lies six rooms off and who feels himself well enough to send for his dog and gun though he knows i detest such implements ever since our elder brother poor willywold marched out of the world on a pair of damp feet caught in the kittle-fitting moss but that signifies nothing i suppose i shall be expected by and by to lend a hand to carry squire hector out upon his litter while he indulges his sportsmanlike propensities by shooting my pigeons or my turkeys. I think any of the ferrae naturae are safe from him for one while. Miss Mintyre now entered and began to her usual morning's task of arranging her uncle's breakfast with the alertness of one who is too late in setting about a task and is anxious to make up for lost time. But this did not avail her take care you silly womankind that mum's too near the fire i suppose you intend to reduce the toast to cinder as a burnt offering for juno or what do you call her the female dog there with some such pantheon kind of name that your wise brother has in his first moments of mature reflection ordered up as a fitting inmate of my house i thank him and meet company to aid the rest of the womankind of my household in their daily conversation and intercourse with him. Dear uncle, don't be angry about the poor spaniel. She's been tied up at my brother's lodgings at Fairport, and she's broke her chain twice and came running down here to him. And you would not have us beat the faithful beast away from the door? It moans as if it had some sense of poor Hector's misfortune, and will hardly stir from the door of his room. Why, said his uncle, they said Caxon had gone to Fairport after his dog and gun. Oh, dear sir, no, answered Miss Mintyre. It was to fetch some dressings that were wanted, and Hector only wished him to bring out his gun, as he was going to Fairport at any rate. Well, then, it is not altogether so foolish a business, considering what a mess of womankind have been about it. Dressings, quotha? and who is to dress my wig? But I suppose Jenny will undertake, continued the old bachelor, looking at himself in the glass, to make it somewhat decent. And now let us set to breakfast, with what appetite we may. Well, may I say to Hector, as Sir Isaac Newton did to his dog Diamond, when the animal, I detest dogs, flung down the taper among calculations which had occupied the philosopher for twenty years, and consumed the whole mass of materials diamond diamond thou little knowest the mischief thou hast done i assure you sir replied his niece my brother is quite sensible of the rashness of his own behaviour and allows that mr lovel behaved very handsomely and much good that will do when he has frightened the lad out of the country i tell thee mary hector's understanding and far more that of femininity, is inadequate to comprehend the extent of the loss which he has occasioned to the present age and to posterity. Aureum Quidum Opus, a poem on such a subject, with notes illustrative of all that is clear and all that is dark, and all that is neither dark nor clear, but hovers in dusky twilight in the region of Caledonian antiquities. I would have made the Celtic panegyrus look upon them. Fingal, as they conceitedly term Finmock called, should have disappeared before my search, rolling himself in his cloud like the spirit of Loda. Such an opportunity can hardly again occur to an ancient and grey-haired man, and to see it lost by the madcap spleen of a hot-headed boy. But I submit, heaven's will be done thus continued the antiquary to maunder as his sister expressed it during the whole time of breakfast while despite of sugar and honey and all the comforts of a scottish morning tea-table his reflections rendered the meal bitter to all who heard them but they knew the nature of the man Monk Barnes's bark said miss griselda goldbuck in confidential intercourse with miss rebecca Blattergall, is muckle ward that is bite. In fact, Mr. Oldbuck had suffered in mind extremely while his nephew was in actual danger, and now felt himself at liberty, upon his returning health, to indulge in complaints respecting the trouble he had been put to, and the interruption of his antiquarian labours. Listened to, therefore, in respectful silence, by his niece and sister, he unloaded his discontent in such grumblings as we have rehearsed venting many a sarcasm against womankind soldiers dogs and guns all which implements of noise discord and tumult as he called them he professed to hold in utter abomination this expectoration of spleen was suddenly interrupted by the noise of a carriage without when shaking off all sullenness at the sound oldbuck ran nimbly upstairs and downstairs for both operations were necessary ere he could receive miss wardour and her father at the door of his mansion a cordial greeting passed on both sides and sir arthur referring to his previous inquiries by letter and message requested to be particularly informed of captain m'intyre's health better than he deserves was the answer better than he deserves for disturbing us with his vixen brawls and breaking God's peace, and the king's. The young gentleman, Sir Arthur said, had been imprudent, but he understood they were indebted to him for the detection of a suspicious character in the young man Lovell. No more suspicious than his own, answered the antiquary, eager in his favourite's defence. The young gentleman was a little foolish and headstrong, and refused to answer Hector's impertinent interrogatories that is all Lovel, sir arthur knows how to choose his confidence better ay miss wardour you may look at me but it is very true it was in my bosom that he deposited the secret cause of his residence at fairport and no stone should have been left unturned on my part to assist him in the pursuit to which he had dedicated himself on hearing this magnanimous declaration on the part of the old antiquary Miss Wardour changed colour more than once and could hardly trust her own ears for of all confidants to be selected as the depository of love affairs-and such she naturally supposed must have been the subject of communication-next to Eddie Ochiltree, oldbuck seemed the most uncouth and extraordinary nor could she sufficiently admire or fret at the extraordinary combination of circumstances which thus threw a secret of such a delicate nature into the possession of persons so unfitted to be entrusted with it. She had next to fear the mode of Old Buck's entering upon the affair with her father, for such, she doubted not, was his intention. She well knew that the honest gentleman, however vehement in his prejudices, had no great sympathy with those of others, and she had to fear a most unpleasant explosion upon an éclairissement taking place between them. It was therefore with great anxiety that she heard her father request a private interview, and observed Oldbuck readily arise and show the way to his library. She remained behind, attempting to converse with the ladies of Monkbarns, but with the distracted feelings of Macbeth, when compelled to disguise his evil conscience, by listening and replying to the observations of the attendant thanes upon the storm of the preceding night, while his whole soul is upon the stretch to listen for the alarm of murder, which he knows must be instantly raised by those who have entered the sleeping apartment of Duncan. But the conversation of the two virtuosi turned on a subject very different from that which Miss Wardour apprehended mr oldbuck said sir arthur when they had after a due exchange of ceremonies fairly seated themselves in the sanctum sanctorum of the antiquary you who know so much of my family matters may probably be surprised at the question i am about to put to you why sir arthur if it relates to money i am very sorry but-it does relate to money matters mr oldbuck really then sir arthur continued the antiquary, in the present state of the money market, and stocks being so low. You mistake my meaning, Mr. Oldbuck, said the baronet. I wish to ask your advice about laying out a large sum of money to advantage. The devil, exclaimed the antiquary, and sensible that his involuntary ejaculation of wonder was not over and above civil. He proceeded to qualify it by expressing his joy that Sir Arthur should have a sum of money to lay out, when the commodity was so scarce. And as for the mode of employing it, said he, pausing, the funds are low at present, as I said before, and there are good bargains of land to be had. But had you not better begin by clearing off encumbrances, Sir Arthur? There is the sum in the personal bond, and the three notes of hand, continued he, taking out of the right-hand drawer of his cabinet a certain red memorandum-book, of which Sir Arthur, from the experience of former frequent appeals to it, abhorred the very site. With the interest thereon amounting altogether to, let me see, to about a thousand pounds, said Sir Arthur hastily, you told me the amount the other day. But there's another term's interest due since that, Sir Arthur, and it amounts, errors excepted to eleven hundred and thirteen pounds, seven shillings, five pennies and three-fourths of a penny sterling, but look over the summation yourself. "'I dare say you are quite right, my dear sir,' said the baronet, putting away the book with his hand, as one rejects the old-fashioned civility that presses food upon you after you have eaten till you nauseate. "'Perfectly right, I dare say, and in the course of three days or less you shall have the full value.' "'that is, if you choose to accept it in bullion.' "'Bullion? "'I suppose you mean lead. "'What the deuce! "'Have we hit on the vein, then, at last? "'But what could I do with a thousand pounds worth "'and upwards of lead? "'The former abbots of Trotkosi "'might have roofed their church and monastery with it indeed. "'But for me?' "'By bullion,' said the baronet, "'I mean the precious metals, gold and silver. Aye, indeed. And from what El Dorado is this treasure to be imported? Not far from hence, said Sir Arthur significantly. And now I think of it, you shall see the whole process, on one small condition. And what is that? Craved the antiquary. Why, it will be necessary for you to give me your friendly assistance, by advancing one hundred pounds or thereabouts mr oldbuck who had already been grasping in idea the sum principal and interest of a debt which he had long regarded as well-nigh desperate was so much astounded at the tables being so unexpectedly turned upon him that he could only re-echo in an accent of woe and surprise the words advance one hundred pounds yes my good sir continued sir arthur but upon the best possible security of being repaid in the course of two or three days. There was a pause. Either Old Buck's nether jaw had not recovered its position, so as to enable him to utter a negative, or his curiosity kept him silent. I would not propose to you, continued Sir Arthur, to oblige me thus far if I did not possess actual proofs of the reality of those expectations, which I now hold out to you, and I assure you, Mr. Oldbuck, that in entering fully upon this topic, it is my purpose to show my confidence in you, and my sense of your kindness on many former occasions. Mr. Oldbuck professed his sense of obligation, but carefully avoided committing himself by any promise of farther assistance. Mr. Dousterswivel, said Sir Arthur, having discovered-here Oldbuck broke in, his eyes sparkling with indignation. "'Sir Arthur, I have so often warned you of the knavery of that rascally quack, that I really wonder you should quote him to me.' "'But listen, listen,' interrupted Sir Arthur in his turn. "'It will do you no harm.' In short, Dousterswivel persuaded me to witness an experiment which he had made in the ruins of St. Ruth, and what do you think we found?' Another spring of water, I suppose, of which the rogue had beforehand taken care to ascertain the situation and source. No, indeed, a casket of gold and silver coins. Here they are. With that, Sir Arthur drew from his pocket a large ram's horn with a copper cover, containing a considerable quantity of coins, chiefly silver, but with a few gold pieces intermixed. The antiquary's eyes glistened as he eagerly spread them out on the table. Upon my word, Scotch, English, and foreign coins of the 15th and 16th centuries, and some of them rari, et rarioris, etium rarissimi, here is the bonnet-piece of James V, the unicorn of James II, I and the gold festoon of Queen Mary, with her head and the dauphins. And these were really found in the ruins of st ruth most assuredly my own eyes witnessed it well replied oldbuck but you must tell me the when the where the how the when answered sir arthur was at midnight the last full moon the where as i have told you in the ruins of st ruth's priory the how was by a nocturnal experiment of Dousterswivel, swivel accompanied only by myself indeed said oldbuck and what means of discovery did you employ only a simple suffumigation said the baronet accompanied by availing ourselves of the suitable planetary hour simple suffumigation simple nonsensification planetary hour planetary fiddlestick sapiens domni abitur astris my dear sir arthur "'That fellow has made a gall of you, above ground, and underground, and he would have made a gull of you in the air, too, if he had been by when you was craned by the devil's turnpike yonder at Honkett Head. To be sure, the transformation would have been the peculiarly apropos. "'Well, Mr. Oldbuck, I am obliged to you for your indifferent opinion of my discernment, but I think you will give me credit for having seen what I say I saw.' "'Certainly, Sir Arthur.' said the antiquary, to this extent at least, that I know Sir Arthur Wardour will not say he saw anything but what he thought he saw. Well, then, replied the baronet, as there is a heaven above us, Mr. Oldbuck, I saw with my own eyes these coins dug out of the chancel of St. Ruth at midnight. And as to Dousterswivel, although the discovery be owing to his science, yet, to tell the truth, "'I do not think he would have had firmness of mind "'to have gone through with it "'if I had not been beside him.' "'Aye, indeed,' said Old Buck, "'in the tone used when one wishes to hear "'the end of a story before making any comment. "'Yes, truly,' continued Sir Arthur. "'I assure you, I was upon my guard. "'We did hear some very uncommon sounds, "'that is certain, proceeding from among the ruins. "'Oh, you did?' said oldbuck an accomplice hid among them i suppose not a jot said the baronet the sounds though of a hideous and preternatural character rather resembled those of a man who sneezes violently than any other one deep groan i certainly heard besides and Dousterswivel assures me that he beheld the spirit pale fun the great hunter of the north look for him "'and you are Nicholas Remigius, or Petrus the raucous, Mr. Oldbug, "'who mimicked the motion of snuff-taking and its effects. "'These indications, however singular as proceeding from such a personage, "'seem to have been apropos to the matter,' said the antiquary. "'For you see, the case, which includes these coins, "'has all the appearance of being an old-fashioned Scottish snuff-mill,' you persevered in spite of the terrors of this sneezing goblin? Why, I think it probable that a man of inferior sense or consequence might have given way, but I was jealous of an impostor, conscious of the duty I owe to my family in maintaining my courage under every contingency, and therefore I compelled Dousterswivel, Swivel, by actual and violent threats, to proceed with what he was about to do. And, sir, the proof of his skill and honesties, this parcel of gold and silver pieces, out of which I beg you to select such coins or medals as will best suit your collection. Why, Sir Arthur, since you are so good, and on condition you will permit me to mark the value according to Pinkerton's catalogue and appreciation, against your account in my red book, I will with pleasure select. Nay, said Sir Arthur Wardour, I do not mean you should consider them as anything, but a gift of friendship, and, least of all, would I stand by the valuation of your friend Pinkerton, who has impugned the ancient and trustworthy authorities upon which, as upon venerable and moss-grown pillars, the credit of Scottish antiquities reposed. Ay, ay, rejoined Oldbuck, you mean, I suppose, Mare and Boyce, and Hotkin and Boaz, not of history, but of falsification and forgery. And, notwithstanding all you have told me, I look on your friend Dousterswivel to be as apocryphal as any of them. Why then, Mr. Oldbuck, said Sir Arthur, not to awaken old disputes, I suppose you think that, because I believe in the ancient history of my country, I have neither eyes nor ears to ascertain what modern events pass before me. Pardon me, Sir Arthur, rejoined the antiquary, but I consider all the affectation of terror which this worthy gentleman— Your coadjutor chose to play off as being merely one part of his trick of mystery, and with respect to the gold or silver coins, they are so mixed and mingled in country and date that I cannot suppose they could be any genuine hoard, and rather suppose them to be, like the purses upon the table of Hudibras's lawyer. Money placed for show, like nest eggs, to make clients lay, and for his false opinions pay. It is the trick of all professions, my dear Sir Arthur. Pray, may I ask you how much this discovery cost you? About ten guineas. And you have gained what is equivalent to twenty in actual bullion, and what may be perhaps worth as much more to such fools as ourselves, who are willing to pay for curiosity. This was allowing you a tempting profit on the first hazard, I must needs admit. And what is the next venture he proposes? a hundred and fifty pounds. I have given him one-third part of the money, and I thought it likely you might assist me with the balance. I should think that this cannot be meant as a parting blow. Is not of weight and importance sufficient? He will probably let us win this hand also, as sharpers manage a raw gamester. Sir Arthur, I hope you believe I would serve you. Certainly, Mr. Oldbuck. I think my confidence in you on these occasions leaves no room to doubt that. Well, then, allow me to speak to Duster Swivel. If the money can be advanced usefully and advantageously for you, why, for old neighbour's sake, you shall not want it, but if, as I think, I can recover the treasure for you without making such an advance, you will, I presume, have no objection. Unquestionably, I can have none whatsoever.' "'Then where is Dousterswivel?' continued the antiquary. "'To tell you the truth, he is in my carriage below, "'but knowing your prejudice against him—' "'I thank heaven, I am not prejudiced against any man, Sir Arthur. "'It is systems, not individuals, that incur my reprobation.' He rang the bell. "'Jenny, Sir Arthur and I offer our compliments to Mr. Dousterswivel, "'the gentleman in Sir Arthur's carriage.' and begged to have the pleasure of speaking with him here." Jenny departed and delivered her message. It had been by no means a part of the project of Dousterswivel to let Mr. Oldbuck into his supposed mystery. He had relied upon Sir Arthur's obtaining the necessary accommodation, without any discussion as to the nature of the application, and only waited below for the purpose of possessing himself of the deposit as soon as possible for he foresaw that his career was drawing to a close. But when summoned to the presence of Sir Arthur and Mr. Oldbuck, he resolved gallantly to put confidence in his powers of impudence, of which, the reader may have observed, his natural share was very liberal. End Chapter First